0: This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Army has spent decades building what leaders say are artificial boundaries between the IT networks soldiers use at their home stations and the ones they use on the battlefield. And since that's no way to win a war against a near-peer adversary, it's time to finally bridge that divide. The Army plans to start implementing concepts that are meant to unify its enterprise and tactical networks as soon as next year. We get details from Federal News Network's Jared Serbu. The
1: Army has talked for years about the concept of Home Station Mission Command, the idea that commanders at headquarters should be able to command and control their forces just as effectively as if they were in the field. And while some aspects of that concept have already been implemented, the longer term goal is to have those headquarters networks share a common architecture with tactical networks. The service took a big step in that direction recently when the Army Requirements Oversight Council defined formal requirements for unified network operations. That's according to Lieutenant General John Morrison, the Deputy Chief of Staff for Command, Control, Communications, Cyber Operations, and Networks. It
0: lays out that unifying requirement to operate, maintain, and defend the network end-to-end. That is a significant milestone. No more will we be buying... uh, DONOPS or network ops or network security tools for the enterprise in tactical will be buying unifying capabilities that allow us to seamlessly see the network from end to end, to seamlessly secure and defend the network from end to end, and most importantly, the ability to maneuver the network against a thinking adversary, in a contested and congested environment.
1: Morrison says some of the initial movements toward that unified network are expected to happen next year. The Army has already made significant progress toward modernizing the networking equipment soldiers use on the battlefield through its new integrated tactical network. A next big step will be to restructure the expeditionary signal battalions that help connect distant locations to the broader Army enterprise. The new expeditionary signal battalion enhanced is meant to be much more lightweight, able to deploy around the world on short notice, but with a set of equipment that can operate out of a single trailer so
0: that we increase the capability of our formations but we also can do it with less people and less of a footprint so we can operate in that contested and congested environment but the ESPEs were not the big idea the big idea was aligning those personnel efficiencies that we gained by going to much smaller much more agile much more capable kit and establishing a Doe framework, that ability to command, control, operate, maintain, defend, secure, and maneuver the network at all echelons, whether it be at the Enterprise or into our tactical formations. That movement begins next year. We've already completed our first two expeditionary signal battalions, and we will start building that global all the way down to tactical Doe framework with the appropriate force structure, with the appropriate skill grades beginning next year.
1: Exactly what the Army's new unified network requirements will mean for industry is still unclear, but Morrison says he hopes to have some answers soon. He says senior leaders are hoping to finalize a new Army network plan in the next several months. That document will help to define what the common network architecture will look like. Also yet to be determined is how the plan for a unified network will play into the service's plan to largely outsource the day-to-day network operations on its garrisons. The Army is still piloting the enterprise IT as a service approach and doesn't expect to make any final decisions on the way ahead until 2023.
0: The unified NetOps construct and concept is just that. The pilots that we're running is what is the best way to provide services uh, ostensibly right now at three of our installations, Camp Roberts, Uh, Fort Polk and in Army Futures Command headquarters uh, in Austin. But then we expand that out to maybe there's broader enterprise uh, capabilities that we can be working with our industry partners. And so we're working through all that, but the notion of the unified network merely would fit under that umbrella, or it would be a component of how we provide the unified network. Well, one is, or can, it, can we be effective, more effective and efficient with our industry partners? But the notion of the unified network in support of domain operations, they, they have to be mutually supporting.
1: But the Army's Program Executive Office for Enterprise Information Systems, the development organization in charge of building and upgrading those enterprise networks, says it's already started to change its thinking about how to conduct its mission. Historically, those networks have included a very small number of touch points to the Army's tactical networks, and that needs to change quickly, says John Howell, the assistant PEO for Networks, Cyber, and Services.
2: The the modernization that we do is installation-based, and it is based on a a priority list right now. Right now, there is no uh, SIPR overarching architecture. Um, We are trying to change that, but What the real key here to highlight is is limited tactical network touch points. I mentioned the RHN, but still, the ability to be able to allow a soldier uh, on the battlefield or uh, a BCT on the battlefield to be able to reach back and actually take advantage, full advantage of all of the resources that the enterprise network um, has. Uh, to be able to provide everything from enterprise cloud capability to uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, to identity and credentialing access architecture, to zero trust capability, etc. Why are we doing that separately uh, between the enterprise and the tactical?
1: Jared Serbu, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.
0: Check out Jared's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at Wepa. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us
3: about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, Since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way, Uh, great men, theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader, all of these are backward-looking development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I, think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So, what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space, the federal government. Over 2 million employees, great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other, and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, Empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So today we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing like never before on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee, Uh, He joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask, not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, Still exists today. Well that about says it all. But is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or Wepa as an organization? Uh, I have been uh around the group affinity insurance world for um 3 decades. Uh, I've led this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime. And uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service.
0: Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills learn more at pluralsite.com/vision
1: grab a 30-day free trial of live by live plus and you'll get unlimited skips commercial free music and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle visit livexlive.com/podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial